He came and stood below my window in the moonlight. And he promised me things. Not in words, but by doing them. Doing them? By making them happen. A red mist spread over the lawn, coming on like a flame of fire. And then he parted it. And I could see that there were thousands of rats with their eyes blazing red, like his, only smaller. And then he held up his hand, and they all stopped. And I thought he seemed to be saying... Optical track. Today on Optical Track, we'll talk with actor David Bishop, who co-created and played more than a half dozen roles in the homegrown cult classic Johnny in Monsterland. It's radio at 24 frames a second. Optical Track. Hey kids, welcome to another edition of Optical Track, your monthly film school of the airwaves. Brought to you courtesy of the good folks at WOMR, the voice and spirit of Cape Cod at 92.1 FM in Provincetown, 91.3 FM Orleans, streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. My name is Jacob Greenberg, glad to be with you as always, and I am especially excited about today's episode because I have as my guest one of the most interesting people on the Outer Cape, one of the stars and creators of one of the most famous or maybe infamous, cult film shot here on Cape Cod, the 1990 horror movie Johnny in Monsterland. A staple on local cable for over 30 years, the film was recently remastered and has been screening at festivals around the world. It was shot entirely in Provincetown and features a cast of local characters, including our guest. My guest today is uh, one of the stars and the co-writer of Johnny in Monsterland. We've got David Bishop with us here today. Thanks, David, for being uh, my guest today on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I noticed you play quite a few roles in Johnny in Monsterland, and so I wondered where, where and when did you get the acting bug? I've always enjoyed watching movies as a child, and I always wanted to sort of be, oh, it'd be nice to be an actor, but I never pursued it, never went to school for it. And uh, I've been in the back of my head for quite a while, actually. And when the opportunity came, when my friend Jonathan came back into Provincetown and mentioned that he was making a movie, and I asked him what the movie was about, and uh, pretty much, it's, oh, those are, that's my kind of movie. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of characters I like to be if I was to be an actor. And he said, well... If you want, you can be in it. And uh, what would you like to be? And I said, well, I've always liked the vampire, Della Lugosi. And, and he said, oh, all right, let's go for it. And uh, one day I gave him a call. He says, John, here we are together for the whole summer in Provincetown. Let's get this together. <laughs> and he agreed, and we started uh, production right yeah. away. Now, did you, were you a big fan of monster movies growing up? Did you watch a lot of them? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I would stay home from school if I knew there was a movie going on. Uh-huh. Uh, usually it was at 1 o'clock, so I couldn't be in school and watch <laughs> the movie at the same time. So, yeah, I watched a lot of horror movies. Uh-huh. 
all and, my life. So what were some of your favorites growing up? Uh, I always loved Bela Lugosi. Uh, you know, he was the American sweetheart as far as uh, <laughs> vampires go. Uh -huh. uh, he was very elegant. And, uh, of course, I loved uh, Frankenstein uh, and The Brides of Frankenstein. And I got to get involved in the uh, the German Nosferatu uh, mm -hmm. later on in life. I love that. So you like the classics? All the classics. Not so yeah. much like the 60s schlock ones, no, but the early... the early ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, even if it was um, a movie with no sound, uh, like... Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame mm. was uh, one of my favorites also. And it, mm -hmm. There was no sound at all, but it was all motion and, and you know, everything was done with the eyes. Mm -hmm. The eyes were bulging all the time. <laughs> it kind of was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Now, you started to talk about how you and, uh, I should say, Jonathan Morrill yeah. is his name, the, the, the director of the film and also the star. Yes. He played Johnny. Yes, that's correct. So yeah. if you could kind of tell us a little bit more about how you guys came up with the, the concept for it and worked on the different scenes. Okay, well, I have to give Jonathan credit for all of that. He came up with the, uh, the idea, and we had that to work with. And the writing was done on a daily basis, basically, uh, sometimes ad-lib, sometimes it was a little bit of a script. Uh -huh. But we pretty much knew what the action was going to be. And uh, it ended up being a bunch of vignettes, basically. Uh, each character was developed, uh, but there was nothing that really bridged them together except uh, Jonathan was running away from these characters and didn't know if it was hallucinating, uh, if it was in real life, he couldn't figure it out. Uh -huh. And that was the concept of the movie, and it worked out really well. Um, of course, uh, that was done in 1989, and we showed it in Provincetown after a lot of uh, hullabaloo. People were seeing us all over the place in mm -hmm. costume. The police were coming to some of the scenes thinking that they were real. And we got a lot of press, free press, by the way. Mm -hmm. And even at the uh, National Seashore, a lady complained uh, that there was a child being sacrificed in the sand dunes. Of course, it wasn't. It was an Egyptian scene where she was carrying offerings, and uh, he stopped us from making it, but it was already made. We couldn't, you know, sorry, it's done. Uh -huh. And, of course, we were told to leave, but the scene got done, and it turned out to be a very successful scene. Uh, the mummy got to be... Uh, you know, shown the way we wanted it to be shown, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of the dunes. I was buried alive <laughs> in the sand dune. Uh -huh. um, and I, everything, I said, you're going to have to do this on one take because I'm not going to be buried twice. <laughs> and so uh, it was perfect because the sun was coming down on, on me as a mummy coming out of the sand. And it was a beautiful light, all natural light. I had like a red glow to me. Mm -hmm. And while I was buried, of course I wasn't buried that long because I couldn't hold my breath that long, <laughs> uh, a, a famous artist in Provincetown, Ray Nolan, uh, was praying over my body and I could hear the murmur of a prayer over me. So I, I was like really almost dead and coming to life. Uh, uh -huh. Thanks for Ray Nolan. <laughs> so, 
that was a good scene. Too. Now you you played the mummy, but I I might have lost count. I think I counted seven yeah. different parts that yeah. you played in the movie. Correct. Yeah. How did you wind up playing so many so many different roles? I mean, in in costume, obviously. Well, um, mostly it was accidental on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> we had characters that uh, in the movie that we couldn't get anybody to do. And I said, well, I, I could do that one. <laughs> and I said, you know, just get me into a different costume. I'd get a costume together, like Igor threw a beard on and a wig and mm-hmm. put put a pair of uh, bib overalls on and made myself look different. Mm-hmm. And um, each character uh, was developed after like a dress, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it happened that way. It was that people weren't available it was a no-budget film. Yeah. I have to stress that. We had no money. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was willing to do whatever I had to do uh-huh. uh, to make the film work. And actually, uh, at, at, the, uh, at the end of the day, uh, I would do a catered uh, dinner. And I lived at the Mary Heaton Voice House at the time. Uh-huh. And we had a big yard. And we had a long table. And we would watch the Russians of the day under a, a t- sometime it'd be raining and we'd set up a big top so mm-hmm. we wouldn't get wet. And we'd all have a feast under the top watching the Russians. And uh, <laughs> I made sure that everybody got fed uh, at the end of the day. Nice. And that was pretty much their pay. Uh-huh. You know, it really was. <laughs> nobody had, we had no money. Mm-hmm. We really had no money. Yeah, but you had the passion. Now, just, just for our listeners, just to give them a sense, you played. A witch, mm-hmm. and you can tell me if I'm forgetting any. A flyman, yeah. <laughs> Igor, Frankenstein's assistant, um, the mummy, as you mentioned, yeah. a waiter, yeah. um, who spits up blood on Johnny, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a I guess sort of just a thug and a fez, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he was supposed to be like the Egyptian counterpart of, of the Egyptian. Oh, okay. So he was connected to the, the mummies. Well, yeah. 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 Okay. And then you played, of course, Nosferatu. Yeah. Which was and really... Igor. Don't forget Igor. I, I think I got yeah, Igor. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. But um, but Nosferatu, and I just I want. I mean, those are some of my favorite scenes in the movie. I just wanted to kind of, if you could give us a sense of like when you guys were shooting those. I mean, it really is very iconic. You emerging from the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very nice pastiche or homage to the. To the film, and then with the the Pilgrim Tower in the background, yeah, I mean, that all was just uh, very magical. Uh-huh. It really was. Uh, I pretty much uh, used uh, Nosferatu, the German Nosferatu, as uh, my character mm-hmm. uh, when um, the makeup man showed up. Uh, Sean, who was one of the werewolves, mm. uh, he showed up uh, and said, "What kind of uh, Dracula do you want to do?" And I said, well, I want long nails, very long nails, as long as I can get them, because they're going to be over 100-year-old mm-hmm. growing. <laughs> and I want um, teeth uh, that look like a rat, two rat teeth I had made at uh, Dental Associates in Provincetown. He made them for me. And uh, I had a hat made by a friend who was going to uh, MIT. At, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what was the the uh, school in New York City? Uh, FIT. Mm. Uh, he he made a hat that looked like a bishop's hat, black, mm. and I wore that, and I wore a, a cross around my neck, 
all as a, a goof on uh, Catholicism, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, vampires had to be afraid of garlic, had to be afraid of a cross, had to be afraid of daylight. Right. And I, I broke through all those barriers saying, well, no, this is a different guy. <laughs> this is not the guy you see, mm-hmm. but it's a spoof on the guy you right. see on, on the screen. Uh-huh. So that's how that got developed. And... Um, I developed the other characters on a daily basis, no matter whatever one I was doing. Uh-huh. Now you mentioned, you know, you had these big dinners, you know, at the end of the day for mm-hmm. the whole cast and crew. I mean, at the time, uh, shooting in Provincetown was not a very common thing. I know that Norman Mailer had shot uh, Tough Guys Don't Dance here a year or two earlier, but um, what what was sort of the reaction from the community when you guys said like, hey, we're we're making a movie here? Oh, so everybody was like, wow, yeah, can we be in it? It's like, well, you know, <laughs> What kind of talent do you have? And sometimes, well, we could do that. Could, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, you would work for sure. And uh, everybody knows, uh, one person knows at least 10 other people in town. Mm-hmm. So the word got around, and uh, we did break some rules. I mean, we couldn't do that today. You have to have a license to do this, right. and you got to go to the town hall, you got to go to the police station. And uh, so we were breaking a lot of rules and getting a lot of attention. I think I mentioned the police came at um, the candy store, the Penny Patch. Oh, no, you didn't mention yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think we mentioned that in private, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, they came at the Penny Patch, and uh, I was standing at the door while it was being filmed, and Pierre, who was a zombie, um, was strangling the candy maker, Keith. <laughs> and it was big picture window on the side uh, of, of the building, and some tourists. Again, a tourist always freak out. You were yeah. shooting this in summer, right? Uh, we started in July. We finished at the end of October. Yeah, so during the season. Yeah, when during the season. It was the season, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A tourist called the police. The police came with their guns drawn, <laughs> running tours. They said, stop, stop. This, we're making a movie. And of course, uh, you know, they did stop. Uh-huh. And uh, then we continued making the movie, and we were reprimanded you must come and tell us when you're doing this you know kind of thing <laughs> okay okay but we never did we just continued to do it we were like <laughs> footloose and fancy free uh-huh. we weren't going to listen to anybody it takes too much time you know you had to go and you know to the police station which at that time was in uh town hall mm-hmm. it was at the basement of town hall but right. still it was too much of a problem for us but we continued to do it our way uh-huh. and we got publicity from the paper the advocate was the paper at the, at the time and right. so we had a few write-ups and the art uh the art uh magazine uh that came out every july 4th uh did an article on us uh-huh. and then we got a few articles done in the Provincetown magazine and so we got publicity and any kind of publicity is good publicity, either good or bad, because uh-huh. you're getting acknowledged for doing something. Now, it seems, you know, even though the, the plot of the movie is pretty fantastic, it's got all these monsters in it, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a comedy element to it. It seems very much kind of like a snapshot of Provincetown at that time. And I wonder if you could kind of talk about that, especially in terms of if you were going to try to do this today. You mentioned that the permitting would mm-hmm. be a lot more difficult. But do you see, like... How how would how would it have been different if you were making it today? I guess is the question. Um, I still would do it in Provincetown and break yeah. all the rules. <laughs> uh, I always thought my first my first day in Provincetown, sitting many years ago in the '60s, sitting at what they called at the time the meat rack, 
just sitting there and looking at the buildings and looking at the structure of the town, uh, my first summary was like uh, amazing. Uh, you know, we have a foggy day and people be walking in and out of the fog. It was uh, so magical. Mm. I always felt it looked like a stage setting. Mm. It looked like a, didn't look real. Mm. It was more it was very surrealistic. And I always said to myself, this would be a perfect place to film a movie. And, you know, you've got to be careful what you say in this town because it happens. Uh -huh. You've got to be careful what you wish for, too. So. Right. But uh, the wish did come true. I did make the movie here. It was my very first movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy to say we won quite a few awards for it, and we got into quite a few film festivals. Mm -hmm. And it's had kind of a legacy here in town as well, right? Mm -hmm. It's run on the local cable channel. Yeah, we ran it. It's... Um, we were the longest-running uh, feature film on cable television in the whole country. Huh. And I only know that because Jonathan was working at a transfer station transferring film, and it happened to come up uh -huh. um, that we were the longest-film longest, uh, to be shown uh -huh. in all of the United States on cable TV. And it showed up until two years ago when we, we had to take it off the air because we rebooted mm -hmm. Johnny and Monsterland, and we wanted the people to see the the uh, new version, mm -hmm. and because the old version was way too long, mm. it was about an hour too long. But that was no fault to anybody because uh, my partner was raising a family. He had two children to raise, and he had other work to do, and he had moved to California. Mm -hmm. His family is the children are grown up, so now he found time to get back uh, with me on editing it, and mm -hmm. I'm very happy about that. Well, that, that was actually my next question. I wanted you to talk a little bit about this reboot and kind of, you know, what, A, what sort of prompted it now, and also what it was like to go back 30 years later and look at the footage, you know, look mm -hmm. at what you shot, what, what Provincetown looked like back then. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I always thought the film had too much in it. Uh -huh. We had 60 hours of film. Oh. Yes. The raw footage. Yeah, yeah, raw footage. It brought it down to uh, less than two hours. Uh -huh. And I thought it was too long. A tension span from people of this, of this age, uh, most people can't sit that long. <laughs> and there was a lot of things in the movie that were uh, not necessary. Uh, in one way... Um, it was prolonged because uh, everybody in the film was promised to be in the film and we didn't really want to discourage anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody did it for, for fun. Yeah. And that's why it was made. Um, unfortunately, uh, many of the uh, actors are not with us anymore. So uh, we're not hurting anyone's feeling by taking it out. Mm -hmm. it, you know, we were very sympathetic to everyone uh, being in it because I they gave us their time, you know. Yeah. And so we honored that while they were alive. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was time to do it over. Like I said, uh, Jonathan's family had grown up, and now we had time to get back to it. And uh, it was something I always wanted to do mm -hmm. uh, since the movie uh, was done. It had been editing twice before we did the rebooting, but it wasn't edited enough. Uh, so was it just a matter of cutting the, the movie down, or was there anything really It was cutting it down, and um, it was a bunch of vignettes, basically. Mm -hmm. Nothing really connected. 
Um, I think uh, there was a newspaper article in New York. We showed it at the uh, Anthology Archives in Manhattan. And it got reviewed as, uh, they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it was like the most uncomprehensive movie they, they had seen. Uh -huh. So that caused, uh, that was bad publicity. <laughs> but like I said, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Right. And we did show it at the Whitney Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, people loved it because of all the art. There was a lot of art in the background. Right, right. Uh, art that's never been seen. Mm -hmm. So um, the museum people loved it, uh, even though it was too long at the time. <laughs> but we we brought it down because it had to be brought down. There was there were things that were not necessary. Uh -huh. And that's how that ended up being re-edited. I went to uh, Hollywood uh, where Jonathan lives, mm -hmm. and um, we sat with the editor, and uh, I had taken notes. I had gone to the public library here, mm -hmm. and uh, they were very helpful, by the way. Uh, Provincetown Public Library, they helped me out a lot setting it up. Oh, cool. And I did a lot of editing uh, with notes there, and I brought that to California with me, and... We worked together, and then um, when I came back, every day I came up with a different idea uh, to bridge the vignettes together with poetry and with mm. uh, voiceovers and um, scenes that could blend in quite nicely. And um, my partner Jonathan thought they were all good ideas. We collaborated through the whole the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, Neither one of us was totally responsible for the whole movie. We're both responsible for the movie. Hmm. Uh, I was not doing the uh, the technical aspects. Yeah. That was all in Jonathan's hands. He's, he was very brilliant on doing all that. So I, between the two of us, we did a good job, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed in the credits that um, you uh, wrote some, you did write some poems. Yeah. For the, are yeah. you a poet as well? I didn't know. <laughs> I, like I'm just uh, reinventing myself uh, uh -huh. every day, and um, I didn't know I had any t that kind of a talent. Didn't have, didn't know I had the talent to dress up like a vampire. I never <laughs> did it before. Uh -huh. And uh, so yeah, I was learning about myself all the time. That's very cool. And I know there was a sequel that came out a couple years after the original uh, Johnny Monsterville. You did Bride of Yes Johnny and Monster. Yeah. I'm sorry, Monster Land. Yes, right. Uh, Johnny Monsterland, and uh, and then now I hear there's talk of a a threequel. <laughs> well, we still have to do uh, a rebooting of the brides. Although it's been finished, but mm -hmm. then again, uh, it has, needs to be worked on. Uh, I have to say, it doesn't need to be worked on as much as Johnny Monsterland mm -hmm. because the second movie was a little more structure, you know. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, it's the first time I got in drag. Mm -hmm. I'm the bride of Johnny and Monsterland. Oh. So I end up uh, marrying Johnny and Ma at the uh, UU Church in Provincetown. He nice. gets, we all, we get married and he realized he married a monster. So he, <laughs> and then it takes off on that. And, and, and when can we hope to see the reboot of the, the sequel? Well, I would love to, love to have uh, in October this coming year, uh, Jonathan and I will be refilming some scenes in Provincetown, um, the town crier in front of town hall would be, he does this hear you, hear you thing, and he, mm -hmm. 
explains what's going on to monsters of all over the place and everybody freaks out and leaves. <laughs> but um, in the movie, nobody, they don't, we don't see anybody freaking out and leaving. Uh, and what I want to do is uh, get some extras. Hopefully people will come and uh, sit down at the town bench mm-hmm. and where that scene would be put in where everybody freaks out because <laughs> town cry is telling everybody the monsters are loose in P-Town. And uh, that's one scene we got to do, uh, uh-huh. add in. And hopefully the listeners out there will come down and join us. If you let me know, I will make sure that the word goes out. Oh, Get thank people you. down there, for thank sure. You. Yeah, yeah, let me, let, uh, me know when it's happening. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, Johnny in Monsterland was your first time acting, your first yeah. movie. But I know since then, you've done quite a lot. So could you give us sort of a sense of some of your credits since then, and what you've uh, got coming up? No, yeah, thank you uh, for asking. Well, we did a third movie. It was uh, After that, it was called The Left Side of My Brain. That was filmed in uh, Boston in New York City. Mm. I was living in New York City at the time, so I, uh, I played the character of Death in Venice, the old man, mm-hmm. the old gay man mm-hmm. who was pretty much dying and Venice was dying under all the diseases and I pretty much played his character picking up uh, a young uh, artist who runs mm-hmm. away from New Jersey and uh, I meet him in the uh, Washington Square Park and take him to a hotel and seduce him and that was his first experience uh, in New York City and mm-hmm. It pretty much starts off uh, that he's a successful artist and it goes backwards. It shows you how oh, he cool. became. And interesting enough. Uh-huh. And uh, that was our third movie. And um, Provincetown has had a lot of uh, films come uh, in town. So yeah. I was in High Town as an extra. And Arthur Igley, uh, who's done several films already, I was in. Uh, the Black Emperor of uh, Broadway, and he's finishing off a film now called The Art Thief, Isabel uh, Gardner Museum of uh, Art Thief. The heist um, that happened in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I have a couple of roles in that. I so like like your first film, you're now playing multiple roles in yeah. The Art Thief. <laughs> well, I got I got smart on that first film because <laughs> you know a lot of stuff ends up on the uh, cutting floor. Uh-huh. So um, I did many several characters every day. I would go as an extra dressed differently, <laughs> and uh, I did a Lucky uh, Lucky Wilson was an Irishman uh-huh. that was kept in, and um, I'm also a uh, convict on the beach. Uh, I have a speaking role in that. I have a little bit of a singing in uh, Lucky Wilson. Oh, cool. And there's a scene where I'm just outside of a, of a place where they're trying to uh, get money and support for the president of the United States at the time he was running. Uh, and that takes place on Commercial Street. And uh, you can't really see me, but I'm there. I'm in the <laughs> yellow. I made sure I had a yellow raincoat, because so, I had to cover my face pretty much. Cause, <laughs> but, you know, as much as you camouflage. Uh-huh. And there's a scene where the second time in my life I get in drag and I'm dressed up as a elderly, wealthy, Bostonian type uh, lady <laughs> and uh, looking like she's wearing Coco Chanel. 
And it's a scene where they're doing an auction mm-hmm. um, for this art in Provincetown. Uh, although I think the scene of my frontal uh, has been eliminated, they have me in two different drag outfits sitting with my back to the camera. Ah. But I'm in it, you know, there's no speaking role. But it was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh-huh. And there's another scene that I got. I was just like an Italian, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think that scene got cut out too. But I got into three or four scenes, uh-huh. uh, whatever I can get into seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, win a few, lose a few. Well, you know, Provincetown's becoming a lot more uh, attractive to to film these days. So you, I think you're going to have some more opportunities. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I do have to say one thing, if you don't mind, of no. blow my own horn. Uh, we're the only people in Provincetown that have filmed in Provincetown that have made so many international film festivals and have won awards mm-hmm. out of all the other, all the people that came through. Norman Mailer being one of them, yep. and um, all of the Netflix film people that came through. Uh, not any of them got any awards, nor did any of them make uh, international. Uh, film circuit so I'm pretty proud for somebody who never did anything like that in my life and we accomplished quite a bit yeah yeah well it's uh it has been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much well thank you and uh, I hope uh hope we can look forward to seeing uh all your films very soon well thank you very much I appreciate that That's going to do it for this edition of Optical Track. Thanks for listening, and thanks to my guest, David Bishop, featured actor and co-writer of the Provincetown cult classic, Johnny in Monsterland. My name's Jacob Greenberg. I'll be back next month on Monday, May 15th with more Optical Track. Hope you'll join me then.